Hi, I'm Mark Scott, Secretary of the New South Wales Department of Education, and welcome to Every Student, the podcast where I get to introduce you to some of our great leaders in education. And today I'm talking to two of our school principals from New South Wales, Deirdre Dorbus from Wiseman's Ferry, a rural school of 41 students, who mostly come to school on the ferry across the Hawkesbury River. And also with us is Dwayne Hopwood from Ashfield Boys High, a large multicultural metropolitan school in Sydney with 744 students. And today we're going to talk about the impact of COVID-19 and take a few lessons from what these principals have learnt and what they want to focus on now. So Deirdre, um, let's start with you. You started at Wiseman's Ferry last August and it's been all go ever since. Uh, It certainly has, Mark. Um, It's been an interesting 10 months in my first principalship. Um, we've been faced with bushfires, floods and now COVID-19. Firstly, the bushfires, we were impacted about week five of term four. Uh, it was, we had a number of days where we were non-operational yeah. during the last five weeks of that particular term. We were surrounded by two fire fronts. So we had the Gospers Mountain fire front behind us and then the Three Mile Creek fire front on the opposite side. The big impact for us really was that the safety of the students, because many of our students had to travel along the roads where the the fire fronts were. So we had helicopters firebombing the mountain, making it unstable. We had the fire at Gospers Mountain um, being worked on. And um, there we had trees, so trees and seemed trees to be the problem, well. trees falling yeah. across the roadways, and, and they were the access points for our students so to get to school. Fires across the summer and in term four um, causing the school to be shut down uh, days or not operational for some days, and then floods, right, in term one. Yeah, about week three of term one, we were greeted with floods, so we had the floods took out both the vehicular ferries and that's how most of our students come to school. Uh, Obviously the only way to school at that point was via boat and obviously not a safe option so that the students couldn't get to school. So before we even get to COVID-19, how did you see the impact of in a sense those natural disasters on the students and on your teachers as well, your team you have there? There were, for the students, it was quite interesting in terms of, I think with the fires, um, there was a little bit of excitement. You know, we could see the flames. We had the helicopters on our doorstep. Um, so, it were, yeah, to, for them, it was a little bit of excitement. But as it went on, we had events that we had to postpone. Um, so it was, oh, we're starting to miss out on a few things. Uh, floods, I had staff member that couldn't get to school due to the flooding. Um, so, <laughs> so disruption, right? Disruption, and then yeah. and then um, COVID nineteen lands. Um, how did you respond to that immediate challenge? Are, are there are there issues with internet connectivity around Wiseman's Ferry? There certainly is. So we sort of with the floods, we or as we had students that were away for about two weeks and just couldn't get to school. So we had already talked about how we're going to get some work to them. So we emailed out some work so that they could continue with their learning during the time of the flood. We looked at that one unit of work, it's impossible, you know, the kids that that could make it to school needed to do the same work as those Mm. students that 
couldn't make it to school. So we'd sort of already had that system in place before COVID-19. So it was just a matter of um, refining our practice, um, learning from the floods to ensure that we could do it a little bit better. Um, and in, to ensure that we were following our teaching and learning programs so that the, the students wouldn't miss out on, on the learning that we would be, you know, we would miss delivering to them face to face. So Duane, when uh, we, we hit that point in March when the Premier said be best that students stay at home because at that point we were having, you know, more than 200 cases a day on occasions, new cases a day on occasion in New South Wales. What was your philosophy for student learning? I mean, massive disruption at a, yes. at a big school. So, so how did you go about taking on that challenge? Well, firstly, I can really confidently tell you there were no bushfires in Ashfield. At all. <laughs> <laughs> um, only metaphorically. No, yeah. yeah, only metaphorically. What we did is we sort of did what we normally do and we planned for the worst but hoped for the best and we'd anticipated that there was going to be some disruption. So what we did is we had a really comprehensive educational continuity plan in place before the Premier made the announcement. And we'd in all- anticipation in, an, in anticipation yeah. that something would happen. Yeah. And we sat down as an executive and planned that. So as a staff, we were all on the same page ready to go. So what we did was we had every class and every teacher had already organised at least a Google Classroom for, for that lesson. And when the Premier made her announcement at eight o'clock on the Monday morning, we were pretty much ready to shut down a physical school and open up a digital school by the end of that day. Had you already set up an infrastructure where you were all using the same platform, be it uh, Google Classroom or Microsoft or whatever, or were, were people using different platforms? L lots of people were already using Google Classroom. A lot of our staff were already using Edmodo, but that wasn't as good as the department's uh, Google Suite. Um, we moved later on to Zoom and we found that much better because the interactivity was better. Uh, the biggest challenge at the start for us was in terms of philosophy was getting every kid on to Google Classroom. So the week before that, we'd bribed every boy with a Fredo frog because we needed to make sure that they- A tried and true method. A tried and true method. Because yeah. it was easy for teachers to create a Google Classroom, but we needed to know that the kids were actually logging onto it and could access it. Uh, and the next big challenge we found was equity. Because for us, it was not just important that the boys kept learning, it was that every boy kept learning and we're a hugely diverse community. How did you go with the technology and the devices and how, how good was your insight into the technology that students might have available at home? We're consciously and deliberately not a BYOD school, um, and that has huge parent and community Why support. Why is that? What, what's been the thinking behind that? That's got to do with distraction, and that's got to do with um, us wanting to be able to have adult control of the devices. Mm -hmm. We did a study in 2016, I think it was, where we surveyed the parents and we said, what percentage of the day would you like your son on a device? And they said about 25%. And we uh, surveyed the staff and said, what percentage of the day would you like to be using a device? And they said about 25%. We surveyed the boys and said, what percentage of the day would you like to be using a device? And they said about 98%. Yeah. So we invested fairly heavily and this sort of helped us with COVID. We invested very heavily in devices. So we, you know, we can, I think it's at least have a third of the school on a device at any one time because we've got laptops and iPads. And that's how we met the equity issue with COVID. We uh, monitored the boys who weren't logging on. We sent out information to parents and parents were coming in and borrowing laptops from us with their So sons. you learned out the I schools. I think in the end it was 161. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I think it was a massive inter enterprise. Quite an interesting debate, I think, yeah. 
for us to think through the kind of infrastructure we have in schools. Mm. I, I suspect we saw many schools loan out what they had, but of course easier to loan out a laptop and a tablet than it is to loan out a desktop yes. computer. Then the, then the next equity thing that we discovered was people, lots of the boys did have devices at home, but internet was sometimes patchy for different kids, so mm. we loaned out dongles, we bought some and loaned them out, and then with so many parents and siblings working at home, some of the families have one or two devices, but yeah. that's not enough for everybody. Yeah. So we got through it, but it was, it was, it was a fairly mammoth effort. Yeah. Um, Deidre, what, what was the feedback from your parents about having kids at home and, and learning? And you know, what were they saying to you about the partnership that this crew needed to create? Our, our parents were extremely supportive, um, given what they'd been through in the last 10 months with the natural disasters that we had faced, but extremely supportive. I think for them, it... They, they saw things a little differently. Mm. Uh, they learnt more about what we do at school and um, our expectations of their, their children um, in terms of their teaching and their learning. Uh, we got some very positive feedback from our parents. Uh, whilst they were happy for them to come back to school, uh, we had a number of parents that said, oh, we're going to miss them because they've enjoyed interacting with yeah. them while they've been at home. Um, I had parents that took probably homeschooling to a new level where they had the children out, um, the family built a new goat um, shelter. So they took the boys out and the boys were responsible for measuring up the um, environment. They were responsible for collecting the data and um, they also did um, research. So they were watching a lot of the podcasts that the zoos were putting out and, oh, Here's a new animal we don't know anything about, so let's go and find out a bit about that animal. So you found parents, many of your parents really kind of were leaning in and very engaged in the partnership of this work? They certainly were, yeah. yeah. So whilst, whilst you know, they, we provided a lot of the literacy and numeracy work and, and they followed those, um, that particular plan of work that we delivered as teachers, uh, they you know, engage with their children in creative arts ventures or in the kitchen cooking or certainly out, outdoor environmental education. So that's the feedback from uh, parents. What about your teachers, Dwayne? I mean, this is a kind of a level of disruption that none of them would really mm. experience before. Um, in effect, if you ate in the school holidays, nine weeks that many students were out of, out of class um, and a challenge to keep teaching and learning going through a lot of that time. So what do you think your teachers have learnt through this? They're reporting that it was overwhelmingly a positive experience. It was a really difficult experience. It was really challenging to teach online. One of the things we discovered after about three or four days was that, because um, we were trying to teach an interactive lesson to every every kid according to their timetable. So we weren't- So every, every period of the day was yes, an interactive yes, lesson? Yes, And was that too ambitious? Yes and no. It, uh, we didn't want to just post work if, if we could interact with them. So what we did after, I think it was about the fourth day, we continued to teach according to the timetable, but we adjusted what we were calling the digital bell times because it was just too intense for the mm. teachers and too intense for the boys as well. So we reduced our normal lessons down to 30 minutes and after every 30 minutes there was a scheduled five-minute break and we made the days a bit shorter to include reading time as well. Um, after we've come out of this now, obviously, the staff are reporting that they thought it was a, a challenging but a really positive experience. Uh, it's reaffirmed for everybody the 
primacy and the importance of face-to-face teaching, mm. that the digital world is a great tool, but it can't replace the relationship that happens and the magic that happens in a great classroom. But the teachers are reporting that they will be able to use the digital skills they've learned to enhance their teaching going forward. And okay. the, the level of collaboration between them helping each other out was fantastic to watch. I want to come back and, and explore a bit what the legacy of this mm. is uh, for us. Um, just on those students um, who are online and the expectation that they'd be online each day, and you talked about how you went out of your way to ensure that they had the opportunity mm. to be online. Did you have many students who went missing that we, you couldn't, we did. couldn't we find? Did. We, were, we were marking the role. The teachers were electronically marking the role each lesson. So in Google Classroom, they'd post a question that the boys had to answer to show that they were there. Now, often they'd there were some really interesting things. Teenage boys will always find a way. So there were some really interesting things. You'd see boys who'd answer the question then suddenly digitally disappear. Mm. And we were calling them digital truants or cyber jiggers to the boys. And the deputies and I were trying our best to follow them up. We'd put in a call home and say, your son hasn't logged on and um, speak to parents. Um, there was a couple of other ingenious things of when we're on Zoom and we had video chats going on, some of the boys record themselves and somehow work it out as a loop. So it looked like they were in the classroom, but they actually weren't. Um, they're enterprising, yeah. yeah. But there was certainly a percentage of them that, that, that didn't engage. Uh, Deidre, quite a lot of discussion as to what the level of disruption means to the progress of students. Um, you, you've had students back in now for a, a week or so, a chance to have a look at them and then a more staged return before that. What's your assessment about progress while students have been away? Uh, our students in particular are, are quite resilient. So they're, they're happy to be back at school, they're happy to be learning. They're, uh, from our point of view, I don't think that they've... Um, been too disadvantaged by the disruptions that they've faced. Um, we've been fortunate to have a casual through the casual employment program that has allowed our teachers to work one-on-one um, -on -one with our students to see if there are any, um, that if they're missing anything and also to provide targeted support to those students that may have um, fallen behind a little but in the main they're They've come back, they're learning, they're happy, um, and we're not seeing that there's, it's made too much of a difference to yeah. them. Dwayne, have you thought through assessment and monitoring progress and gaps that may have emerged? Yeah, we have, and we had a conversation about this as an executive and as an entire staff last week. So we've already done an assessment of Year 12, obviously, because there's a priority there with the HSC looming. But with the rest of the kids, what we're doing is each of the teachers is looking at what's been completed online, where they think the gaps are, especially for those boys who didn't engage at all. And rather than trying to get them to complete everything, which is not possible, we're talked about getting them to look at the big, most important big ticket items and trying to catch them up, make an assessment of what's the, what the deficit is and catch those big things up so we can hopefully go into term three with everybody on an even keel again. It's interesting, uh, I was talking to John Hattie on this Every Student podcast and uh, John was talking about the research that's come out of Christchurch following the earthquake and um, New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina and how they didn't see a short-term drop in learning outcomes because I, I think of, of what you've just outlined there, that, that when everyone comes back there's a real focus around what's important, what the priority is and, and some of those other activities that we may have done in a normal year fall by the wayside as we drive in on what's really essential 
in, in the classroom at the moment. Yes, yeah. Uh, and it really is about focusing on the, the big ticket items and the things that the, the kids are going to need to go forward with. There are, you know, schooling is a, a very varied thing and there are lots of facets to it, but at this stage what we're doing is concentrating on the main assessment items that the boys need to continue and, and making sure that there are no deficits for anybody as much as possible. And what is it that you really want to ramp up now that the boys are back? And, and school feels more normal. It's not absolutely normal yet, but, but is more normal than it has been in recent months. What are your priorities about the things you really want to focus on now that the boys are back? It's great to have them back. Um, and it's been nice to watch their enthusiasm to come back. It's interesting. I think the kids missed school, didn't they? they? Did. I think this is, this is kind of an interesting insight. There's a perception that, uh, you know, at the first available opportunity, kids will run away from school. They seem to be running back into school. Uh, they literally did the run doors. back into school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so obviously the boys are keen to get back into sport. We've, we've got sport going, but it has to be restricted and, and, and only certain types. Um, very keen to get the boys back doing lots of the extracurricular activities that we run. So schooling's really varied and we want all of the kids to finish school with a really broad, rich experience. So we offer lots of things beside, outside of the classroom and outside of sports, such as debating and theatre sports and science clubs and a whole, whole lot of things. There's always something happening uh, before school recess, lunchtime or afterwards. One of the big things that I'm very keen for the boys to get back to is our volunteering program. I was with a group yesterday and handing out certificates because they've just won the Inner West Council Volunteering Award mm. and they've been nominated by the council to go to the state awards. Um, we have a really high rate of volunteering in the school um, and it's a really beneficial thing for the community but I think what's understated is how beneficial it is for the leadership skills of the boys, especially lots of the work that they're doing with senior citizens. So the awards that I was giving out yesterday are for a group of boys who've been working with senior citizens in the council and they've been doing cyber, uh, cyber seniors it's called and they've been teaching um, people from the local nursing home to use their iPads and phones. Fantastic. They also do shopping as well. You have a big focus on reading and you're, you're a very strong performer when we track uh, value add years 7 through 12 in reading. Tell us a bit about the reading program, the reading strategy you've got underway. Uh, going back, I've been there five years now, going back and looking at the reading data of the boys, we were concerned about what was happening with us, but if you look at the global trends, lots of boys, their reading stagnates or goes backwards even in early high school, and we were determined that that wasn't going to happen. So what we've got is a, a reading program that starts in year seven and year eight, and but goes now from seven to 10, and it's a completely individualized, differentiated program for, for every boy. So basically, in year seven and year eight, the boys have a reading lesson with the librarian. They um, set a target. We assess their reading every six months with a reading age. Um, we they set a target. We use a particular program to do this. They set a target each term by the librarian that we expect them to meet because it's individualised. So it's something that everybody can meet. And this is not a remedial reading program. It's about everybody being the best that they can be. We, they go to the library, they borrow, and all the books in our library are coded into this program. And the library's actually reshelved in book levels. The staff came in one Christmas holidays mm -hmm. to do this. So if you know that your book level is 5.6, you know you've got a particular shelf to go to. Uh, they read and they borrow. At the end of the uh, book, they do a quiz online, so we know that they've read it, and it's almost uncheatable. There, there, you know, there are, there are ways. And um, that gives us 
ongoing information as teachers about the boys' reading levels. Mm. They um, accrue points for, for, their, for their reading uh, if they meet their target. Um, and I would love to believe, as an English teacher, that um, the boys are reading for the beauty of literature and their own self-benefit. Mm. But this is a whole-of-community thing, and a PNC are fantastic. So they support this financially. And if you meet your target at the end of term, you're in the running to get a gift voucher for $30 supplied by the PNC. Uh, the program also counts the number of words that the boys have read. Right. So if you read Harry Potter, it knows it's 350,000 words or whatever. And um, we run a competition called the Million Word Man to see if somebody can get to a, a million words because competition tends to work with teenage boys. And last year, and they get a big prize at the end of the year, and last year we had 62 million wow. word men. What? Extraordinary. That's, yes. that's, that's fantastic. The boys' reading ages are going up. It's great. Yeah, and you're seeing it in the outcomes. We're seeing it in the yeah. data, yeah. Yeah. Um, Deirdre, what did you miss? What, what, are you, what have you looked forward to getting back into action again at Wiseman's Ferry? We're really looking forward to physically engaging with our community again, um, welcoming our families back onto site so that they can celebrate in the students' learning, at assemblies, at sporting events, um, at you know, book week um, parades. and So getting them back on site to... Um, to participate in the children's learning with us. Also, we um, connect with our wider community and the students go down and meet with a senior citizens group, which unfortunately we can't do at this point. They go down, they have morning tea, they play games, they interact with the senior citizens, they, have, they laugh, they learn their stories. So sort of getting back to being able to do this. Um, and also connecting with our community of schools. So we have lots of um, events that we participate in with the small schools across the Hawkesbury and Windsor Networks. Um, we have four small schools in our immediate area that we work together with, um, taking the students on combined excursions, um, incursions, academic challenge days. So looking forward to participating in the inter-school events again. Yeah. So, so we're, we're back, but it's not quite normal yet, and lots of restrictions still apply, and, and I suppose we're just going to continue to work closely with New South Wales Health and the national advice, and as soon as it's possible to ease some of those restrictions, we will to, to get things more back to normal. Um, but I suppose it's fair to say that this will have changed us, you know, this massive level of disruption, this massive investment in professional development and the work that's been done to encourage students to learn from home. What do you want to hold on to, Duane? What, what, what have you learnt and what have you taken from it that uh, you think will reshape how you lead the school and how teaching and learning takes place in the school? I think one of the things that I think this experience has done, and it's, and it's not changed us I think it's heightened what we already had and that's a sense of direction and purpose and unity of everybody working together uh, coming back this last week um, with all the boys back on site one of the things that we've had to stress to them is there are there are certain things that we just need to do together to keep us all safe and to make sure that we continue to function in the best way we can and the boys always work well with us, but they've worked, it's been even, it's heightened, they've worked even better with us. And I think the staff have worked in an even more coordinated way than they always did. It was always there, but I think this has strengthened what we already had. Do you think your staff are more confident now around 
using technology and thinking through how they can apply technology to teaching and learning? I think so. I, th- I think that, once again, I think that was already there, but I think this is once again, heightened what was already there. Do you think it'll change how we think through, uh, you know, concepts like homework? What work can best take place with students at home and how best we use the time being together in classrooms? Yes, one of the things that we had already done was, as I said before, we're not a BYOD school, but we were very keen that the boys have a device at home because we were delivering a lot of um, homework digitally already. Um, Things that, you know, repetition and and, um, the, the kind of practice exercises that you give for homework. And I think Google Classroom will be able to heighten that. A lot of this will be able to set ahead of time. We've also thought that this is going to really improve what happens when teachers are absent. That, you know, the standard thing is in a high school, if you're absent and you're able and you're not too unwell, you call your head teacher and call in your lessons. Now this will be able to be put on Google Classroom. It'll make that more efficient for the, for the kids and for the teachers. Hmm. And, and Deidre, just coming to you again, bushfires, floods, COVID-19, unprecedented uh, disruption, how, how do you see the resilience and the well-being of your students, but also your staff who've had to lead the school community through all this? I've seen from a student, our students are very resilient. They're, all they wanted to do was come back to school, you know, engage with their teachers, um, play with their friends. Uh, you know, we tried along the way to keep them informed about, you know, what was happening, that our priority was their safety in in each situation. Um, You know, why we're now sitting at our own desk and why you have your your little tin with all your pencils and your stationery and your ruler and, you know, why we go to the bathroom and sing happy birthday when we wash our hands, even when it's nobody's birthday at school, but we do say somebody in the world is celebrating a birthday, so stand there and sing happy birthday to them. Uh, so it's just keeping them informed of, you know, why we're doing this. The big thing is about keeping them safe, um, making sure that they're happy. Uh, our kids want to be at school. Um, it was lovely that they all, when they all came back, it was like the first day of school all over again. So, um, you know, to have two first days um, in the one year was fantastic. Um, you know, we'd like to, you know, they, they came back and said, well, we can't hug you or we can't high-five you or I just said, well, you know, that's okay. We can greet one another and, and show that we're happy to have you back in different ways. Um, for staff, uh, I think it's working together and, again, reassuring each other that we're, you know, with a small staff, we're there for each other all the time. The hardest thing I think for the small stuff is that you are together all the time and we've got to remember that we still have to social distance. Mm. Um, and for that, for us, that's the hard part. Um, so it's, um, yeah, just working together and pushing on and knowing that the kids are our focus. Well, it's been a remarkable time, an unprecedented time. I think at the beginning of the year, we would have all thought the bushfires were going to be the big story for the year. The fact that we've all been so affected by COVID-19 has been unprecedented and remarkable. But what a great job all our schools have done in dealing with the disruption and keeping students learning. And now being able to reorientate how we work to bring everyone back 
uh, together again. Thanks for your leadership, Deirdre and Dwayne, and thanks to the leadership of your teams as well in doing great work at Ashfield Boys and also at Wiseman's Ferry. And thanks for joining us today on the Every Student Podcast. Thank you. And thank you for listening to this episode of Every Student. Never miss an episode by subscribing on your podcast platform of choice or by heading to our website at education.nsw.gov.au slash every hyphen student hyphen podcast. Or if you know someone who is a remarkable innovative educator that we could all learn from, you can get in touch with us via Twitter at New South Wales Education, on Facebook, or email everystudentpodcast at det.nsw.edu.au. Thanks again, and I'll catch you next time.